we've been in a series now starting last week, Pastor Zach started it off. I was not here, I was in town. Me and him are going to share pulpit duties. Um, as, as you know, our pastor works extremely hard, and um, as pastors of the church, we want to support him in the area. So we're going to support him in the pulpit for the month so that he can have some time to attend to other businesses that, as, as, as you know, you all have roles and everything pulls you in different directions. And sometimes when you're juggling so many different things, something drops to the ground. Uh, we don't want that for him, and he's trusted us to be at the pulpit. Amen? So th this series is called The Land Between. The Land Not In Between. I heard that somebody say that earlier. Right? So it's the land between finding God in difficult transitions. Finding God in difficult transitions. Now, now this is important because um, as we dive into this story, and our, and our launching point is going to be Numbers 11. So write that down. I want you to spend the rest of the week, the rest of your time, just looking at Numbers 11. Amen? And the other thing I want you to, to be aware of is that when you get into the Bible, you're going to find that you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be warned, you're going to be confident. At some point, you're going to be rebuked, right? Now, a lot of you don't like that word. Rebuke is just a fancy word for scolding, right? In my house, before you got scolded, you got a uh, cocotazo, right? Anybody remember those, right? right? Now I just flick my nephews, <laughs> You know, which is, which is just as worse. But anyway, you, you know, you have to understand that my sincere hope in the process of us getting into this uh, sermon series is that you come out of it with a deeper faith. A deeper faith. What do I mean by that? Well, we know that our faith is a gift from God. And oftentimes I hear people say, man, I want the faith you have. And then I have to remind them that God has given us the faith of a mustard seed. We all start out with that same faith. We all have the same faith. The difference between some of us is that when our faith gets tested, we don't buckle. Amen? Amen? So it's a faith word having. So between the out of and into, between the then and there, is the here and now. This is the place we're going to refer to as the land between. While some of us may enter into this place without us even knowing it. Some of us may just enter it in immediately. And, and there are things that happen, right? For example, when you hear something like, sorry, I have to let you go. Right? Like during this pandemic, right? How many people have been laid off? They got mortgages and car payments and they got stuff they got to do. That is the land between. Between the then, the life that you were experiencing, and the there, which is the promise of owning your own home, owning your own car, going on vacations, now suddenly your boss says, sorry, man, I got to let you go. What about when someone tells you, someone that you love tells you, I don't love you anymore? That's the land between. Finding God in those difficult transitions. How do I now process the fact that someone has told me they don't love me? I love them, but they're done. I find myself in that place now of a difficult transition, and I need to find God in that moment, because if not, I'm going to go crazy. What about when you get that late night call? Now, you know late night calls are never good. Well, what about when you get that net, like, you know, you know, you dread it because it's never good news, and the voice on the other end says there's been an accident. How quickly can you get here? That's the land between. This is a space where we feel lost, lonely, confused, and deeply hurt. 
but it's fertile ground for spiritual transformation, for God's grace to be revealed. It can also be a place where you can grow resentful, bitter, and caustic, especially if your responses are unguarded. Like if there's no filter, there's no place you're going and processing this. There's nobody you're talking to. You're not reaching out to your network. Come on, people. Do you know that's when you fall on your face? When you find yourself in that land between, between the then and the there, and you find yourself in this difficult moment, you don't look for God, you're going to look for something else. And the responses that are unguarded is what leads us into corners that we don't come out well. I don't want that for you. And I'm hoping that a deeper faith will be fostered in this room today, that we begin to understand that in those difficult moments, rather than reaching for our black book, rather than reaching you know, for things and, and trying to go here and trying to you know, hide things and suppress things, that we find God. The transition is the process or a period of changing from one state or condition to another. It's on there. Hopefully it'll be on the screen as a slide. So I want to share something personal because in this ministry we are transparent as transparent can be. I think sometimes we're too transparent, right? But, but I think that, you know, I want to make it clear that I'm standing up here on this elevated platform, but I, I, I'm sitting in this seat. I'm sitting in this seat because it's me too. Amen? About six years ago, and I had to write this down to remind myself because I started writing it and it was like, oh man, I can't believe it's been that long. It was about six years ago, I began to experience some discomfort. You know, I had a desire to go to the restroom, but I couldn't go, you know? So, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. I figured, hey, man, I get up, I, you know, I said, oh, come on, I can't go. And then it got worse. Before I couldn't go, now I was going without control. How? Picture that, <laughs> right? Like, I, I didn't realize that at... 54, I would have to start wearing pampers. That's where I was. I was feeling some pain in that lower area. I was struggling. It was embarrassing. Um, I remember driving and having an accident. Like, I couldn't go anywhere without having an accident. I couldn't go for the long walks. I, I couldn't go to people's houses. I had to stay in my home. And I went to the doctor. And uh, doctor did exams. You know, he, he showed me... Uh, 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 you know, some, some pictures of, of a healthy prostate and my prostate. They didn't look the same. They did not. Did some blood tests, um, gave me some medication, told me to go home, it's going to help. Medication didn't help. Uh, it got worse throughout the week. Called me back in. You know that when you refer to a specialist, something is wrong. Right? You don't get a referral to a specialist because something is good. So it turns out, calls me a week later after doing the biopsy and he tells me, uh, we found precancer cells. Boom. I landed in this place. I landed in this place of the land between. All I heard was cancer. That's all I heard. I'm 54 years old. I want to walk my daughter down the aisle, my other daughter. I want to see my son grow up into the fine young man that he's promised me he's going to be. And here I found myself in this place. The land between can be disorienting, but it also provides a space for God to do his deepest work in a place where radical transformational growth can happen. 
It can be a place where your faith thrives or goes to die. When you find yourself in this place where you receive news like this, when you hear words of this kind, and maybe some of you are there right now, maybe some of you have found yourself between the then and the there. You find yourself in this here and now, and you're trying to ask God, what is going on? What's happening? Now, your response will determine whether your journey through this place will result in spiritual life or spiritual death. Because between the then and the there, there's this place called the here and now. This land between. And it's in this moment that we have to understand, man, I've been talking faith for a long time, and it's good to talk faith when everything's going on. When everything's popping, everything's good, right? Everything's good, you get your nails done, you get your hair fixed, everything's looking good, right? But I want to see you when your nails ain't done and your hair is a hot mess and the makeup ain't right. I want to see us in a place like this. And when I found out this news, for me, it was, it was, a, it was, it was like I got punched in the solar plexus. I, I, it's funny because I, I started to, to write things out. Anybody, you know, the will? Anybody know about the will? I started to write things out. I started to engrave things to give away to people. In fact, I started to give away some things. And uh, the thoughts that came to me at that moment, and, and again, mind you, I was already serving the Lord for a pretty long time. And my discussion with God is, you got to be kidding me. Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I felt not me. Right? I started to go through a list of things I'm doing for you, Lord. <laughs> I, went, I said, Lord, you don't, <laughs> what happened to this? Right? But we're not exempt from these things. People think you come to Christianity and, wow, you won the golden ticket. You, you miss the parts where it says that even in those moments where you find yourself in difficulty, in hard times, guess who's there with you? He's always promised to be with us. Always promised to be with us. So I want to go into Numbers chapter 11, and I want us to stand briefly as we read this. Again, when we stand, what we do is we are honoring God's word. God's word is above everything. Right? At the end of the day, when you find yourself, right, in, in my home, it's the same way. When you're going crazy and I'm going crazy, it's like, okay, what does God say? And let's do that. Right? So, so it's important for us to understand. We don't do this so you can stretch and calisthenics. If you want to do that, then praise God. But we want to do it for the sake of honoring God's word. Amen? I'm going to read from Numbers chapter 11. I'm going to read from verses 18 to 23. Again, this is the text. Chapter 11, the whole of chapter 11 is where this land between series is going to be focusing on. We're going to bring other stories in the Bible in to indicate that there are many people in the Bible that have gone through it. To assure you that even as you're going through it or will go through it, that there's an opportunity for our faith to thrive or to die. Amen? And it says this, then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat and you shall eat. 
You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes lonesome to you. Ouch. I don't know. <laughs> Part we want to skip. <laughs> because you have despised the Lord who is among you and have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever come up out of Egypt? And Moses said, The people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? This is Moses having a conversation with God. And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? <laughs> now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. For the sake of time, I'm going to try to get through this. We want to honor your time in this room as well. And we realize that when people come into this space, um, we want to make sure that they hear what God has to say so that they can walk out of this room not the same. We pray that as you hear God's word today, you will begin to understand some things that have happened historically that not only happened then but point to us today. I found myself in that place, the land between. And my faith kind of wavered because I questioned my works for God's favor. And I want us to be mindful that in this text, particularly, especially in this story, the, 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 the Israelites had cried out for 430 years they were enslaved. The Bible clearly tells this, it documents this. If you read the story, the exodus means exit. People were leaving, they were getting out. They cried out to God. He sends a deliverer. God makes a promise, tells Moses, go back and let them know, I'm going to take them to a place flowing with milk and honey. The abundance of that place was evident. But between Canaan and between Egypt is this wilderness, this barren place that no one told them about. I God promised I'm going to take you to this place. Now, hold on. Put on your spiritual caps and try to listen because you've walked in these doors and you're trying to serve the Lord and you hear this abundant life constantly being thrown at you. Right? You come in and your marriage is struggling and you say, okay, fix it, God. And God says, I'm going to fix it if you walk in obedience and allow the faith or I may not fix it, but I need you to connect with me. I need to be enough for you. For too long, you have put that person as your God. And what begins to happen is people are flawed. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. People are going to let you down. Listen to me. People will let you down. And I'm not saying you don't build relationships. The problem with people letting you down is that you get into a relationship two days and you give them the keys to the vault. what you do. So whose fault is that? It's not theirs. See, you haven't vetted them out. And you have to be mindful. So, so, so here they were in this place between, they found themselves here. First of all, nobody told them they were going to be in this place. Nobody told them the diet they were going to have because they ate manna. Like in Hebrew, the word manna literally means what is it? 
When they saw it, it was like, what is it? <laughs> well, that's your diet for the next 730 days. That's 2,190 meals of manna. Every day, crush it, mush it, and eat it. Right? Right? I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, and this is getting dating me, in Williamsburg, the south side, we had these trucks. Remember these pickup trucks? And they had these wood slacks on the side, and the guys would come around with bags of potatoes. A hundred pound bags of potatoes. I know none of you remember that, but they used to do that. In, in this, in, you know, they would come down, a hundred pound of potatoes, wherever they got it, Hunts Point, whatever they picked it up, whatever they got it, they'd bring it down a block, and of course, you know, you live in the south side, my stepfather would go, pay $10, $20 for a hundred bag of potatoes, and guess what we ate? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm gonna... I'm going to flip some of this stuff over. <laughs> this is the van. So you guys remember? <laughs> um, but think about that. I felt like uh, uh, Bubba in uh, Forrest Gump, right? Where, where he talked about shrimp. You can stew it. You can fry it. You can cook it. This is going to be our here and now, okay? Yeah. So imagine doing that. Imagine eating something the same every single three times a day, right? And, and you know, like, how much can you tolerate that, right? And, and so this is where they start to complain. Now, mind you, manna is better than no food. Now, you, you ain't listening. See, when you find yourself in that place where you're not, you don't have what you used to have, which, by the way, what you used to have came with a string attached to it, Right? And God says, cut that string. I'm going to take you to a better place, put you in a better situation, right? I'm going to be with you. You wind up in this here and now. Nobody told them to die. Nobody told them how long they're going to be there. And they find themselves not only complaining about God, but complaining about the leader of God. And not only complaining about the leader of God, but wishing that you had left them alone. Now, how many of you think that this is too hard? Like to, like to serve God is too hard. You know, the devil treated me better. You know, he let me cop, he let me sleep. You know what I mean? I didn't have to do too much service. You know, I didn't have to give back. You pass it. Every time I talk to you, you talk about giving back. Every time I talk to you, you talk about service. You know, I talk, listen to me. Somebody served you. Somebody served you. You're here as a direct result of somebody serving you. You know who prayed me into the kingdom? People that have gone before me. Because they knew that it said that he came to seek that which was lost. And boy, was I lost. I'm not the only one. You guys are all proper now, right? Because you're all cleaned up, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost. Right? But I'm not too far removed. If I don't stay in my word, if I don't stay in prayer, if I don't connect with the people that love me and care and tell me the truth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be back out there. And here's what I know to be true. Listen to me, please, if you hear me. This is what I know to be true. That if I go back there, the devil's going to beat the living daylights out of me. And then he's going to put me on display so you guys can see. There go your pastor. You think I don't fear that? So it keeps me. Reminds me what I need to be doing in this here and now, in these moments of difficult transitions where he's moving me from one place to the next. And I'm in this place right now in my life 
Like personally, I'm in this place and I'm asking God, okay, God, what is it that you're teaching me? Because listen to me, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. You see, they find themselves in this place and they begin to complain. They don't, they're not, they're complaining to God and then they're questioning the person that's leading them. And then they're wishing, you should have left us over here in Egypt. And they list the foods that they ate and then they decided to ask for meat. Did you just hear this? He said, I'm going to give you meat. I'm going to give you meat until it's coming out of your nostrils. Because they weren't so much wanting to eat, but they were rejecting God's provision. In that place, they never went hungry. If you read this story, listen to me. If you read the movement of God with his people, they, first of all, they never have to lift the finger to defend themselves. They are protected by God. They never have to go to the grocery store to buy food. It shows up every night. Yes. They wake up to do overnight. They wake up, it's there. Right. It's not what they want because they complain about, I, I couldn't believe that garlic is a meal that they enjoy. Like, I, like garlic? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what kind of thing they did with it. You guys here who are practicing beyond meat, that's great. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I don't know what kind of meal you can do with all that leeks and all that stuff. I mean, it sounds healthy, but I'm not eating it. But they yearn for that. And I think that sometimes when we find ourselves in that moment, we yearn for those days. Rather than trusting God for what he has for us. Because here I'm going to tell you, whatever God's giving you is going to be a lot better than what you have. So in this here and now, you've got to be mindful that your faith can either thrive or go to die in this place. And when it dies, you question everything. You're running around like a chicken without a head trying to figure it out. And all I'm asking you in this place is to be still and know that he is God. Just to trust him in this moment. But they complain about it. They complain about him. They complain about God. You know, they just went through this whole thing. So what is God doing here? He has sent Moses to liberate these people. And what begins to happen is that when we find ourselves in trials, we, we, we don't understand that God is working something out. Listen to me. This narrative here, like this here now, this place that you might find yourself in is not your final destination. I, I, I you know, traveled recently and, uh, you know, it was from, you know, PBI to, to, to Newark and, and um, you know, somewhere uh, like on the, on the top, right, where you have to wait for the plane to leave. They, they were 30 minutes. They had to delay 30 minutes. You had to see everybody in the plane. Oh, my God, 30 minutes. I paid money to do this. I said, by the way, you're flying at cheap rates, so stop complaining, right? Like, like I'm sitting there, and I'm just reading my word, and I'm relaxing, right? Because my ticket, my ticket said Newark is my destination, not the airport at PBI. So I know that my destination is not me sitting in this plane waiting. When you find yourself in this here and now, that's not your destination. That that's not, my ticket was punched. I'm going to get, that's where I'm going to go. And you have to understand that in this story, the promised land is where he's taking them to. But here's what happens. These people leave Egypt and all the tricks of Egypt. All the worship that was involved in Egypt. There's only a remnant of people that have worshipped God, cried out to God, and God doesn't forget just God's timing is God's timing. 
And what begins to happen is now they're going to come out of it. And what comes out is not only those people who are worshiping God, but also those people who just want to get out of there. This is their chance to sneak among them and get out of there. So it's this rabble, this rebel, this group of people now that are complaining and murmuring among the people of God. So much so that the Bible says they erected a golden calf at the base of God's mountain to worship an idol. Only to say this, that he had taken them out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. See, I'm going to take you to a promised land where you can worship God, me. I'm going to take you into a promised land where you're going to keep our traditions. You're going to keep the way I'm going to teach you to do things because the world needs to see and know me through you. Now, you're not listening. Yeah, you skipped that part. I'm talking to the person in your seat. I'm talking to the person, not the person next to you, so don't look behind you, don't look next to you. I'm talking to you. God is taking you out of Egypt. Whatever it is you were doing, whatever it is was going on in your life, now you find yourself in this difficult place and you say, what happened to the abundant life? What happened to love? What happened to everybody caring for me and loving me and hugging me and kissing me? What I... I'm sorry, I lost myself there for a moment. But think about that. He's taking them out of this place. They're in a rush to get where they want to get to. But if they rush to get there, they're going to take some of their habits, some of their behaviors, some of their addictions into a place where they're not going to appreciate the abundant life. They're not. So he's got to take them now through this barren place to weed out those people. At the same time, begin to cleanse them and prepare them for the blessing. Early on, you heard me talk about, you know, serving in the local church. Selfish people don't serve in the local church. They don't. Selfish people don't worship God. They they lip service. They worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And he had to weed that out. So if you find yourself in a place, God is not only preparing you for that next thing. You know how many of us have allowed our possessions to possess us? And we ask God to to provide for something and all of a sudden we're holding on to that more than we're holding on to God? Come on now. So so he goes, and, 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 and again, when you find yourself in this place, when you find yourself in this trial, I truly believe that God is doing something for you and for me that we cannot do for ourselves. Right? I shared last night with the group. I said, you know, I, I prayed for patience. I paid for patience. I did. And you know what God did? He sent me to recovery house of worship Brooklyn. That's what he did. That's what he did. So be careful what you pray for. Right? But I'm not saying that in a bad way. I asked them to help me with patience because I was impatient. And an impatient, you don't listen to people. You're, you're quick to speak. You know, you, you don't even process things. You, you're, just, you're just going. And patience causes you to be still and listen rather than speak. Amen? But in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 5, it says this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Okay, wait a minute. You're telling me, James, you're telling me that when I find myself in the here and now, what I should be doing is rejoicing. And, all right, James, 
Let me talk to you, James. Do you know how much it hurts in the here and now? Do, do you know how alone I feel in the here and now? Because people said they're going to be there. And I hear them. But they're here when they can be here, not when I need them to be here. So, so James, you're telling me that during that time, I need to rejoice. And I'm saying to myself, joy is something that God gives us. It's an assurance that your here and now is not your final destination, but it's a place where God is going to do his deepest work in your life. So he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. How many of us find ourselves in these moments and want to run all over the place and find a solution? Yeah, yeah, right? Like, oh, let me call Tia Juana. Wait a minute, she has the answer. Hold on a minute, right? Okay. You know, I remember growing up, and that's, that's what they used to do. They used to call my aunt right away. It's, it's crazy. I'm telling you, if you had a dream, call her. She would look through her book and say, play that number. You guys don't know about that stuff, right? You don't know about that stuff. But our solution was in someone other than God. And what I'm saying in this land between, in this difficult place of transition, you have to find God. You have to know that he is there. He is available for you. And these people began to complain against God. And the prayer of Moses in that section that we read last week where he's talking to God about these people and, and you're giving me these people. And, and his final verse is, you know, uh, if, if, if you have favor, you know, if I have found favor, why don't you just kill me? I don't understand. You found favor in God's eyes and you think he wants to kill you? Listen, God has a plan for you. It's not to hurt you. It's not to harm you. It's to give you a future and a hope. God wants to bless us. But are we ready for that blessing? Do we have to go through the here and now to be able to enter into that there? And he says this, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. Watch this. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. It's not happening to you, it's happening for you. If you're in Christ, if you're now trying to serve God, just know that God is pruning, God is changing, God is transforming, God is renewing your heart. Why he's got to renew my heart? Why? Because every time I speak, what comes out of my mouth is in my heart. So God has to purge my heart and begin to remove those things that I've allowed to nestle in there for a long time. And I got to tell you something. There's one thing we do well as a society and whole is complain. It's complaint. Why do you think we have all these ratings? You think now you have the power to rate somebody, right? You get an Uber, can you rate me? Like it makes a difference. You're gonna fire him tomorrow because you gave him a four or a three or a two. But we have to feel that we're in control to rating people. Listen to me. In the presence of God, as we walk with him, he begins to do stuff for us that we couldn't do ourselves. As we give ourselves over this place where he leads them to his pivotal in their formation as a people, it was there that he began to transform them from the people of slavery into the people of God. Again, they left Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. You're starting to walk with the Lord and you find yourself sometimes, you know, getting slapped in the head or, or getting kicked and you wonder, God, is this okay? 
And God is reminding us that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself, went through these things. And if a lot of us don't understand that, that being a Christian is being like Christ. Like, like how do I live this out? Well, we live it out in the grace and in the power of God himself. And it's so important for us to understand this. It goes on to say, the land God promised are for a people that were not a people that he would use to introduce himself to all the nations. And this is the powerful thing. If you read the story, don't play gymnastics. Don't jump from one place to another. It's good to have devotion. Isn't that great? But if you don't link it to the story, like if you don't link it to the story, you have to understand something. There was a people that came out of Egypt. They went into slavery. A few of them came out an army. But now you got this motley crew with no real leadership, used to slavery, used to conditions they used to have. Now they come into this place, and he begins to form them and reveal himself to them in a very real way. Like I said, they didn't have to lift a finger. They got liberated from Pharaoh. We talk about the Red Sea. It parted. He protected them. He fed them. He cared for them. And he's still, listen to me, he's still caring for you, still caring for me. You see, this whole arc of the whole gospel, the whole word of God. See, Jesus, Jesus, people say, okay, where was Jesus in the Old Testament? Jesus could not be born yet because the people were not prepared yet. The nation was not prepared yet. The land was not prepared yet. We can't walk into that abundant life without realizing that God has to begin to remove those things in our lives that we have worshipped more than we've worshipped him. Amen. Yeah, that, you missed that one. You'll get it on the way out, but listen to me. We talk here constantly. Everything is related to the idols in your life. We saw in them that they were still carrying with them idols to the point where they just complained. The desert experience was intended to shape, mold, and refine them into a community of trust. When you think about that, throughout this story, he would tell them, will you trust me? Will you trust me? And you know what their response was? No, we will not. That was their response in that here and now, in that land between. No, no, you should have left us where we were. They complained against God's leader and against God. When you see Moses' prayer, people think it's a complaint. It's not a complaint. But what happens here is that people complain about God and about the leader. Moses took his complaints to God, which is where we need to take them. You know, when you start complaining and me and Rosalind stop having a conversation about complaints, you know what we're doing? We're gossiping. And I don't want to be part of that. I want to take my complaints to God because I want him to hold a mirror before my face. So that before I begin to complain about something else, that I would realize what's going on in me. Paul talks about being content, right? Being content. I've often shared that I've eaten all kinds of meals, filet mignon. By the way, they jip me because that's small. I don't, it's just too small, right? 
My greatest meal is white rice and an egg. Like, like that is the great. Listen, if I go into a fancy restaurant and you bring that out, I'm happy. We have to learn how to be content. You're not listening about being content. Listen to me. Some of you are reaching. Some of you are trying to accumulate. And I'm telling you, you can't allow that to happen in your life because what happens is those things come with a string. Those things will possess you because you're not understanding that God is your provider. And when God provides for you, he provides the very best for you. And as you trust him, as you give yourself over to walking in obedience, being led by the spirit, embracing your faith, that it's not a blind faith, it's a faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Like he is the king of kings, lord of lords, he is not done with us yet. And God is saying today, I'm not done. He's saying to you, he's saying to me, he's saying in this story, I'm not done. Even to the point where he said at the very end of that scripture, let me just read it again. Because it says this, he says to Moses, he says, has my arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. I believe that God is my healer. And I've trusted God and I'll continue to trust God. And in long story short, you guys are probably wondering, Pastor, what happened? I'm good. Like God, is, God is taking care. God is taking care. I did what I was asked to do. I, I you know, the regiment you have to go through, you know, I've lost some weight, I did that, I did that, but I can go to the bathroom on my own today. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, guys, you guys are probably snicker about that. You guys are probably snicker about that, but, but let me tell you something. That is the one thing that I'm always conscious of. I, God, give me the grace to be able to go to the bathroom on my own. Simple thing. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be thankful. But I want you now to understand that there was this moment in history in which our Lord and Savior had a land between moment. Now, this is important because this is placed here so that you can see and understand that we have a high priest. We, we have, I hate to use the word, but we have a friend in Jesus. Like, literally, he is a friend to us because he's not exempt from the things that you're going through because a lot of you say, oh, he was God. No, he was fully man and fully God. And in this moment, in this place, he had his land between moments. It's a moment of anguish, a moment of agony. Feeling like he couldn't go on. It's found in Luke chapter 22, verse 43 and 44. It says this. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He was talking to his disciples who he brought along with him, but told them to stay back while he went and do this. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. This is his land between moment. This is the place between his birth and going back to heaven that he found himself in the here and now realizing what he had to endure, listen to me, for your sake, for my sake. You didn't ask him. We didn't sign on for it. But the only way to pay our sin debt was someone had to die. But it had to be someone without sin, without a spot, without a wrinkle. It had to be the Lamb of God that was provided. And Jesus finds himself in this moment looking ahead and realizing the anguish that he's going to experience, the pain that he's going to experience. And he asks God, take this cup from me. Is there another way that we can save Gus? 
Is there another way we could save Edwin? Is there another way we could save Rosalind? Can, can we pay for them? And he says, yeah, you're going to have to pay, but it's going to be with your life. That our Lord and Savior would do this. That Jesus, realizing this moment, there's this fellowship that he has with the Father. And then the next part of this sentence reads, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Watch this, verse 43. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. If we find ourselves in this land between, if we find ourselves in our here now, our prayer should be, God, not my will, but your will be done. I need your strength to get me through this. If you've allowed this in my life, then I know that it's going to work out for good. I know that you're doing something in me and around me that's going to help me rely on you more. I need your strength to see me through this. Do you hear these words that our Lord himself was able to utter? Listen to me. It's in this place where God not only provides, but he identifies with us. And he sustains us. Imagine that when you feel like you can't go on anymore. And rather than yearning for the past, embracing the moment as a time for your faith to thrive. For that spiritual transformation that we need to happen in our lives takes place. Jesus himself went through these moments. He's left us the blueprint on how to get through them. Not my will. It's my will. I want to run. Get me out of here. I want to find somewhere to go. But you realize that wherever you go, you go with you. And you have to be mindful to be still and know that he is God. Amen. And that he is for you. And this is not happening to you. It's happening for you. And your faith is being tested at that moment. And my cry is, God, not my will, but your will be done. And in that moment when I release that to God, I receive his strength to get through it. And sometimes that just for today prayer is something we need to practice. Lord, just for today, let me get out of bed. Let me be able to do the things I need to do for your glory. Let me find someone that I can serve. Because you know, right? When you find yourself hurting, find someone who's hurting more than you are and be of service to them. It releases you from your moment. So in this land between finding God in difficult transitions, your faith is either going to go to thrive or die. But know this, that's not a final destination, and he is not done with you yet. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, as the worship team makes their way up, we thank you that you are a God who makes a way where there is no way. And because of that, God, we know that we can come to you in those moments where we find ourselves not sure of what's next. You remind us today that you, in the here and now, in this land between these difficult transitions that we will go through in life, 
whether we choose to or not, they will come. Help us to find you in those moments, to live out our faith and to trust you, to realize, Lord, that you have our lives in your hand. Lord, some of us are there now. Some of us are experiencing the anguish and the agony of relationships that are not working out. And we're trying our best to make it better, not realizing that all we can do is make it worse. Help us to find you, to trust you, to rely on you, to cry out to you, but most of all, trust you and be still. Lord, help me to keep my hands in my pocket so I'm not meddling with what you're trying to do. Restrain me by your spirit so I'm not interfering with the work that you're doing. Help me to be able to step back and see the bigger picture here, God. That if you brought me this far, if you have freed me from a life of debauchery, a life of addiction, a life of, of craziness, God, and, and you've cleaned me up just a little bit, I know that what you start, you will finish in perfection, so help me to be still, oh God. Help me so that I can experience that abundant life in a way that I can reach back to the then and help others to come out. Lord, I thank you because you are a way maker, and I'm grateful for that. I thank you for that. I praise you for that. I exalt you for that. I pray a blessing upon everyone in this room. Let us sense and feel you, Lord, in a very real way. Let us hear your words resonate and remind us we need you, God. We need you. We need more of you, God. More of you. Help us. Take away the distractions in our lives and help us to press in, Lord, to, to, to seek you where you can be found. Oh, God, we thank you. We praise you.